Welcome to the third in the series of Coffee Pods, a coffee break length look at some of the challenging questions in the Christian healing ministry. We've called this series The Good, The Bad and The Ugly as we look at some of the difficult and darker questions about healing. So whether you're an espresso, an Americano, a latte or a cappuccino, there is something here for you. So put in your earbuds, grab your coffee mug and let's go. In this fifth podcast of the third series, we've entitled it Healing, Time for the Church to Stand Up. And it's sparked by a number of questions that you've sent in. Why do so few church leaders believe that Jesus meant us to carry on his work? And how do we make healing mainstream in a church's life so that the healing ministry is the norm? And again, another one, which was why is it so low key on church's agenda? Now, I think that most leaders are trying to do the right thing and would want to continue the ministry of Jesus as they best understand it. The call to witness to Jesus and to proclaim and live out the gospel is on every leader's to-do list. And most leaders would undoubtedly pray for healing if they were asked. The content of their prayers would naturally depend on a number of things. But I understand why some people do not get involved in healing prayer, even some leaders. Let alone any theological considerations like, is healing for today? Did the gifts of the Holy Spirit cease with the death of the last apostle? Or if we do pray and the person dies, where is God in that? And how solid is my view of him? And what about his reputation? But besides all of that, there is the emotional cost of being involved in praying for the sick. It's something actually that we've talked about as a team on a number of occasions. And it's not just about people you know well and love, but it's about anyone. When you pray and people are still in need or perhaps dying, you cannot be involved without feeling a sense of compassion and sharing in their sorrow as you would share in their joy if there was like a miraculous healing took place. And in that, I can understand and really appreciate why some people feel that they're drawn to simply pray, your will be done. Because in effect, it's saying, look, leave me out of this. It hurts too much. And we're all probably involved in praying for situations and for people at the moment where it would be very possible to feel that. But pray, we must. The church as a whole has moved a long way from the time when the only prayer for healing was centred around, Lord, guide the surgeon's hand or give the doctor's wisdom. But we do understand that God is good and intervenes in our lives, body, mind and spirit. I think that if as a church or a leader, you simply want the success parts of the healing ministry, then this can be a very frustrating ministry to be in. Because things do not always work to plan or to the programme. 
And you're going to encounter and you're going to live with a great deal of ambiguity and uncertainty and, frankly, questions like no other. Why did this happen? But then in another occasion, almost the identical thing didn't happen. And there appears that sometimes to be no rhyme or reason to it. And that's when we have to come back and rest in God and our relationship with him and what we know about him. But think about this. If you run an evangelistic event and you invite people to come, and but at the end of it, some people do not become Christians on the night, you do not pray, OK, God, your will be done. Leave me out of it. In fact, what you do is you try again. You'll invite them to something else. And in fact, the Bible Society reckons that people have heard the gospel message five times before they respond meaningfully to, to Jesus. So perhaps similarly, just as we would do it again and try again and find a, a fresh and a loving approach uh, in those circumstances, um, maybe there is something in the healing ministry that is similar. Because it seems with healing that we seem to have grown up with this idea that you have to be 100% perfect 100% of the time or the whole thing is wrong and not for today. Which, frankly, I guess is pretty weird idea because clearly the disciples had some experience of praying for healing and they needed Jesus, as we do, to come and sort it out as well. But in her book, Reckless Devotion, 365 Days into the Heart of Radical Love, Heidi Baker tells the story of sitting with an African mother. She says, the very next Monday, I found myself lying face down on a grass mat with the mother of one of the little girls who had died. I lay down with this woman and wept with her, holding her in my arms. It was then God said to me, Heidi, it's about love. It's not always about victory. She says, our whole life cannot be about victory and glory. It must be about love. Love is patient and kind and long-suffering. God's love is the kind of love that is extravagant, bottomless, ceaseless and endless. That's what you need when you're on the floor holding a grieving mother. And perhaps within the church, it's not about a focus on success or on victory or even on the church's reputation or perhaps even trying to defend God's reputation. Perhaps it is simply more about the love of God. Maybe the church does not need a baptism of power right now, but a fresh baptism of the love found in God. But in fairness, um, leaders have many things on their plate. Mary and I led a church for 19 years and we understand the pressure on leaders to run and organise and resource the multifaceted demands of a church community. 
it is easy for things to get squeezed out. So please go on easy on your church leaders, especially right now. So how do we get healing to be part of ordinary, everyday church and everyday Christianity? Well, in his book, uh, Simply Christian, N.T. Wright observes this. He says, Jesus didn't see healings as some kind of pre-modern traveling hospital. He wasn't healing the sick just for the sake of it, important though the healing itself was. Nor was it just a way of attracting people to listen to his message. Rather, the healing was a dramatic sign of the message itself. God, the world's creator, was at work through him to do what he had promised, to open blind eyes and deaf ears, to rescue people, to turn everything right side up. I love that idea that there was more to this than just simply the act of healing, as important as N.T. Wright says it is. So we have to see healing as part of the whole gospel story and not a special event. In fact, it's one of those things that happens naturally when Christians come together, if you like. When we were leading a church, we had a thought. Instead of organising prayer meetings... Wouldn't it be better that we prayed together every time we were meeting? Whether the whole congregation or two or three gathering for coffee or families gathering for meals. We had this thing, don't let somebody leave your company without praying blessing on them. So too, perhaps, with healing. If you're sick someone will compassionately and competently pray for you in the flow of meeting together. You do not need to wait for a word of knowledge and you don't need to go to the front. Apparently, God already knows where you are. But that we should be able to give and receive prayer, even prayer for healing, effectively, just in the flow of us being together. I know that healing services are significant times. There is a growing of faith. There is a growing of expectation. And, and we do those. And, and they're wonderful to be at. But also there's a part of this healing ministry that is just the natural product of Christians being together, even in the presence of non-Christians, where you just say, oh, let me just, can I just pray for you? that God will bless you and you can start to pray for healing just in that. Say, can I just pray that God will bless you before we go? And actually, to be honest, most people won't turn you down on that basis. On the other hand, if you say, can I pray for healing for you and you're going to get out of this wheelchair and you're going to dance around the room, you might get a different response. But if you just said, can I just pray blessing on you before we go? And most people will be more than happy for that to happen. The other thing is, um, we do not need to make praying for others 
in a service secretive or spooky. The last thing people need in moments like that is to be ushered into an annex out of sight as if they actually have the plague. And, and we need to learn the art of praying privately for people, but actually doing it in a public uh, context and a public arena. I think one of the other things is interesting is that many people, even churches that have prayer ministry teams, they don't come forward for prayer because the way it's done and the setting is wrong. You're exposed. You're almost it's like you must have something really wrong with you if you need prayer. And we need to make the culture in church which says everybody needs prayer. And, and when you get prayed for, you're not admitting anything. You're simply saying, right now, I need help from Jesus. But we all do. So the idea of the prayer ministry team and taking people off into a, a special room, it's a bit like going into the doctor's consulting room. Nobody knows what goes on. So we need to demonstrate that this is an open-faced, open-hearted and transparent thing. Yes, respecting people's privacy but being careful not to make it look weird. So how can it become part of mainstream church? Well, the church can get equipped and trained, learning how to use the tools God has already entrusted to the church. And in that process, it can help if somebody who is already comfortable in praying for healing can model it for others as part of the learning process. The church can grow in its confidence in and experience of praying for others. Practice does help us get better at it and wiser and more competent and compassionate. And the church should be able to talk about what they're learning, not about the people they prayed for and, you know, uh, and, and not respecting confidentiality, but about the things they're beginning to understand and the questions that they still have. And church should be that learning place where that can be so, because this should be just a normal part of every disciple's walk with God, being a blessing to others. However, it seems that there are just two things that perhaps we should pray for today. One is that idea of a baptism of love, and maybe that's what you need right now. And the other is prayer for healing right now. So let's pray. And, and if you found these podcasts helpful, then you can help others find them by simply giving us a like on iTunes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you do not make this difficult. And I simply ask, Lord, for all of us gathered on this podcast, for those who today need that fresh baptism and infilling of the love of God. Lord, Holy Spirit, now send it to us and upon us today. Let the love of God come into us now. Fill us, Lord. Keep us in that baptism of the love of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. And Father, for all those who today listening because there is a need for healing of body, mind and spirit. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your healing presence with us. And Lord, though I'm not with them, you are. 
And now, Father, reach out your hand, God of love. Rest your hand upon them and touch them. As I pray, let your healing power now be released. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Coffee Pots. We hope that it has inspired and stimulated both thought and action. You can send any further questions to info at acornchristian.org. And for further information on events, getting involved and supporting Acorn, go to our website at www.acornchristian.org. Thanks ever so much.